2: Good day once again, everybody. You're locked and loaded onto the latest edition of on Won, the podcast. It is brought to you by Patterson Square Garden. I'm Derek Gunn. Uh, we have another Hall of Famer within our midst in this region. And I know he's going to hate me for saying this, but I am in the presence of college basketball royalty right now. <laughs> he is the one and only Jay Wright head coach of Villanova basketball. Jay, how you doing, man? It's been a long time since we've had a chance to chat it
3: up. Great D Gun, great to be on with you. And uh, like I always tell you, man, I I like talking to you about football, man. I want to. I like talking <laughs> Eagles, and I like seeing you after <laughs> the game and hearing what the guys are thinking. That's. But I, I guess we got if we got to talk some basketball, today, we'll do it. We can still talk some football. All right, well, uh, uh, we can
2: if we can slip in the back door. I'm going to slip in and see how much you know about what, what's going on with the Eagles. But for right now, um, two weeks ago, you get the honor of a lifetime. Uh, Your name to the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. Here we are, two weeks later. Is it still surreal? Has it really sunk in that you, Jay Wright, are in the Basketball Hall of Fame?
3: It, no, you, you said it right. It's it's still surreal, and it, it definitely has not sunken in. Um, it was it was cool. We we came back from that weekend. Um, it was a. Uh, saturday sunday it started mohegan sun on saturday then sunday we went up to the hall of fame and they announced saturday was the, the 2020 class obviously with kobe bryant and then on sunday they announced our class which is the next class and then I, I got out of there quick my daughter graduated from college i got into that my wife and i went away for our 30th anniversary so i kind of got away from it all and uh, and i'm back and our players are back and we're working out so everything's back to normal so it's kind of like it didn't happen I know I'm going to have to deal with it in September. <laughs> Look, you, you've been in a college game
2: as a head coach 27 years. You've won regular season titles, conference titles, uh, two national championships. Now you're in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Have you accomplished everything you've wanted to as a collegiate coach?
3: Wow. You know you know what, Derek? I, I, never, th- I never thought of those um, uh, final... Uh, accomplishments at, as, as what I was shooting for, as you, you know, mentioned like conference championships, um, national team. Champ. I never, I never thought about that as what I want to accomplish. I always thought about, um, you know, I want, I want to work with guys each year, make them the best um, students they can be, make them the best players they can be make them the best men they can be. And and, and I just wanted to, I really just wanted to do that and, and then see what was the results of that. And so we're still you know i'm still in the middle of of doing that and i'm i'm loving that every day like we you know as you and i talk today we we can start working out with our guys tomorrow and our guys are coming back in today and it's a new team and a good team with great leadership coming back so i'm i'm so excited about that and and a lot of guys are a lot of guys are in transitional parts of their careers where got four freshmen coming in you got a couple seniors that are studs that can be nba players and everything in between so the accomplishments are watching the guys that have graduated go on to be successful and 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 that's what i feel good about that is what i want to accomplish but i want to keep doing that yeah you are billed across the board
2: as one of the best coaches in all of college basketball how does jay wright view himself as a college coach
3: you know, just as one, as one of the guys, I, I really do. I, I love the um, college basketball coaching fraternity um, and, and you know what, and the coaching fraternity in general, because NBA guys um, that the coaches in the NBA are so respectful of coaching, you know um, you know, being a part of the uh, the Olympic staff with Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr and um, Jeff Gundys with those and and um, with, with that with that group and um, like they they're coaches you know so if you're a coach everybody just kind of treats you like you're a coach we're all in the in the same deal and we and we talk about the same things and we share ideas I I love that I just love being a part of that and um, and that's probably what's Besides working with young people and watching them grow, the camaraderie of coaches is is, is something that I, I really enjoy at, at a high level.
2: So, so how much longer do you want to coach at the collegiate level? Your name is constantly mentioned moving up to the next level in the NBA. I mean, that's the next biggest challenge. Will you always stay at the collegiate level? Will you get ever get that itch and maybe maybe see? if that next challenge is something that really interests
3: you I, you know i'd be lying if I, I i said i don't get the itch because you you know you watch you know you watch these guys are the best players in the world you watch your own guys like i watch our guys when they leave here and i watch them like doing the things that we taught them to do much better than they did it when they were here because they're older and they're more experienced, you know, and you're like, you're thinking like, damn, that'd be great to be coaching them when they're doing that stuff rather than having to be on them about it. But, um, it, but my experience with USA basketball, like, um, you know, a couple summers ago with the world cup team with coach pavovic and, um, and coaching all those guys, I kind of got to scratch the itch. And, um, and then I hope this summer with the Olympics to get to do that again. It, it's really, it's totally different, and it's really cool coaching those guys. It's pure basketball. Um, but I, I, as we talked about earlier, I love the college part of it. I just, I just wouldn't want to give that up, and I love Villanova that we're able to do it here with good students and, and, and families involved. I just wouldn't want to give that up just to scratch an itch. I hope that makes okay. sense.
2: No, that makes sense. You have a 720 winning percentage at, at Villanova when you look back at the 20 seasons that you've accumulated there, do you get more satisfaction out of winning or mentoring and being an influence of young men?
3: Without a doubt, mentoring and influencing the guys. But we, you know, we have to be honest. If if you don't win, they're not going to listen to you. (laughs) So you're not going to be able to do what you want to do. You know, um, coaching and it's, It's really voluntary cooperation, right? That the players volunteer to allow you to coach them and they choose to listen to you or not. You know, it's not like the old days, you know, like Vince Lombardi, like, I'm the coach, you do what I say. So you, you gotta have some level of success. So they look at it like, all right, they're not dumb, they're really they're really smart guys, you know. They look at it like, all right, this guy has. Coached some good players and had some good teams. And so if this is what he says, I, I might not agree with it, but I I would to give it a shot, you know? And um, so you you need, you need the winning, but the the enjoyment and the real satisfaction comes from watching those guys grow, watching them come back with their, with their wives and their children Um, because the games you win, they're over. Once they're over, it's over. Doesn't matter if you won a you won a ring or not. You're you're thinking about the next game, and you're thinking about how those guys are that, that were on that team, how they're living their lives right now. So it, it's over so quickly. The mentoring is is key. Once again, as I
2: looked at a lot of the college basketball scouting reports, your 2021 recruiting class consistently ranked in the top 20 across the country. What, what is your one constant selling point to get these elite athletes to come to Villanova?
3: You know, Derek, I, I would say it's probably now in the beginning, we used to have to sell it, you know, like when we first got here, you know, they, the, the recruits, they didn't know who the hell we were. They were like, you know, this, you know, Vill- they knew Villanova, you know, Villanova had great tradition, but we hadn't done anything. So that was selling, you know, and the guys like Randy Foy and Alan Ray and Curtis Sumter and Jason Frazier and Baker Dunleavy, that first class, those guys bought in, thank God, and they they built this. But since then, and we've had some success, now it's more education. Like we we really go in and sit down with the parents and the players and explain to them what the Villanova culture is all about, what the experience of Villanova is all about. And they really make the decision, do I want to be a part of that or not? Like you you might see a kid, you know, he's looking at Villanova, Duke, Indiana, North Carolina, all of a sudden, oh, he's down to Duke in Indiana and Indiana. Villanova is out of it. Well, a lot of times that kid just decided, you know what? I don't want to do it that way, you know? And 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 And, and when we're recruiting, if we can – educate a a young man and get him to understand, I get what Villanova is all about. That's probably not good for me. And that's just as important as someone saying, I get what Villanova is all about. I want to be a part of that because you don't want to get the wrong guy in here. And, you know, him looking at you like, "Hey, Hey, this isn't what I signed up for, but if you get the right guys and they're like, Hey, I'm all in, I understand what this is. Let's go, let's go to work together. That's really when you're successful and that's when the guys are successful.
2: As you Jay, as you continue coaching and, and you're you're approaching 60 this year, um, do you find you know as I threw that in there, <laughs> you're approaching 60,
3: But I but, I, I, but I'm I'm, that, I'm older
2: than you. Yeah, going, I'm well, older than like you. 40,
3: 50 didn't bother me. That was oh
1: <laughs> man, that so man.
2: <laughs> but but you know what? Is it easier or harder to relate to young people today? As a coach, as a mentor, yeah,
3: great, great question. And I, I I think about that all the time. It's, it's. um, I I wouldn't say it's easier or harder. I don't. I don't want to. I'm not because I think about this all the time. Because at the point where you're not relating to them, you've got to get out. It doesn't matter how much. It doesn't matter if you don't. If you still think you can coach or you still want to coach, if you're not impacting them, you don't. It's not fair to be there. So I'm always trying to evaluate that myself am am, am i getting through to these guys and it it, so to answer your question i I don't think it's harder or easier it's just different you have to be smart about it because when you're younger as we were talking about when you're younger you can relate to them real well but you don't have a lot of credibility so you you gotta you gotta sell what you're what you're doing a lot and um and and as you get older you got more credibility so they listen more But then you got to work more at the relationship part, you know, because when you're younger, it's easy because you have fun with them. You're thinking the same things. You're watching the same things. You listen to the same music. As you get older, you got to make sure that you stay current with them and understand you're not going to be their best buddy, like hanging out with them. They're not going to, they're not going to go, you know, (laughs) they're not going to go out with you or anything, but you, but you got to, you got to develop a relationship that is valuable to them. And and so it's you know you got to work at that more because you can still get done, coaching wise, what you want to get done because they respect you, um, but that's not what it's all about. It's 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 impacting their lives and that's got to be a relationship.
2: I noticed you, you you cringed a little bit when I brought that word sixty
3: up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that hit me. It didn't sound good coming out. Anymore.
2: AJ, you know, one of the hot topics still in in college, not just college basketball, college sports is, should collegiate athletes be allowed to capitalize on their name and and likeness? And there's been a lot of pros and cons, um, and I respect both sides. Uh, uh, What's your view on uh, college athletes being paid to play the game?
3: Well, let me say this. As the NCAA... Because we're all a part of it. You know, the the presidents make up the everybody says they hate the NCA. Well, the NCA is us, you know, we're all right, members. Right, right. <laughs> so, um, you know, we we were um short-sighted, and this should have been addressed 10, 15 years ago. We should have been graduate because as the NCA was making a lot of money 10, 15 years ago, instead of just keeping it all, we should have started saying back then, that this should be shared with the athletes in some way. And then we sh- would have gradually, you know, b- worked through the system, kind of like the NBA has, you know, it, but, and, and we would have maintain the relationship of student athlete and benefit from your name, image and likeness. And we didn't do it for so long when now, and we were doing some things behind the scenes that were good. It's a lot better for a student athlete now. They get far more benefits. But we missed the opportunity to do this gradually. So now this is going to come in, and it should be in, but it's going to come in in a tidal wave, and we're not yeah, prepared yeah. for it.
1: Mm. So,
3: And we're going to just have to deal with it. So I think for the first two, three years, I hope, I hope we can get it you know, organized, it's going to be messy. But I think after a few years, we'll get it. We'll get it right where the players should be able to benefit from their name, image and likeness. But I would hope we can find a way that they still keep their focus on getting their education and growing as basketball players or football players or, Volleyball players or field hockey players keep growing while they benefit for their name, image, and likeness. You know, as opposed to, um, you know, just worried about getting paid. And then you might as well be a pro. There's no sense in being. The beauty of college sports is that, uh, you know, you go to a school and you you sit in the same classroom as those guys and those girls you're watching on TV play you know they're just like you, um, you could still do that with them making money from their name, image, and likeness. But if if they're not going to class and they're not engaged academically and a part of the campus community, you lose what's, what the beauty of college athletics is.
2: How do you feel about the one and done policy? I know a lot of coaches hate it. You get a player, uh, you're trying to build a program, and all of a sudden he's gone after a year.
3: You know what, Derek, that's a good example of, of kind of, what I'm trying to say about name, image, and likeness. I think we've gotten to the point where we've got that under, um, under where we're comfortable with that, and, and where I think it's effective. You know, there are certain schools that are really good at getting a guy in there, preparing them for a year, still being a part of the college environment, campus community, and they, they're they good enough. They go on to the MBA. And and the MBA and college have worked together to have a system where, you know, we you have the combine. So if you're not invited to the combine, you kind of know you're not going to get drafted. So you don't, you don't have a lot of guys making the mistake of leaving and not getting drafted and then not having the opportunity to play. So I think we're getting good at handling that. So I think it's a good, it's a good thing. I I still think the best thing is you, and I think we're going to get there eventually. We got to allow these. These, these young people after high school, if they want to go straight to the NBA, we've got to allow them to do that. That's an NBA rule. College would be all for that. We, the NBA is the one that the, the players union isn't allowing that. Um, so I I think we're pretty good at that. I hope we can handle the NIL. And this transfer situation, I hope we can handle that, whereas in two or three years, we've got that. Under control, like we do the one and done um, experience for players. Okay, I, I I know you keep your
2: eye on the col- uh, on the pro game as well, and, and you know one of the big debates in general is who is the NBA MVP for this season.
3: Jay Wright says, uh, "See, this is where I'm not good because I'm biased. Because in the NBA, I'm a I'm a fan. You know what I mean? Like I, there's two things I'm doing. I'm rooting for the Sixers, number one." And then I'm watching everybody to see who could be good for our Olympic team and who could be ready to play for us when we have to pick the D. <laughs> So, Like Steph Curry going out early. I love Steve Curry. And my boy, um, Eric Pascal, is on that team. But I wasn't upset when they lost because that makes us, Steph, <laughs> he's ready for the Olympics. He gets some rest. But, and I, I I know I'm biased, but I, I think Joel Embiid has... Impacted his team and changed the efficiency of his team. And last night's game, you know, whenever we do it, the, the the game four against the Wizards, was a yeah. great example of that. His impact on his team and and the game and the success that his team has had is is really close. You know, I think to Jokic and 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 um, obviously the Freak, but I think he's. I think he deserves. It. I do think he's the best this year. If you, if you could start
2: an NBA franchise, who's the one player that you want to build a franchise around?
3: Uh, besides LeBron, would you say? Could You take somebody else? I mean, LeBron. Even at this stage of his career, you would still take LeBron. I mean, if if I, well, if you're saying you're starting like a young guy, because if I had to, if I had to win. And, like, I hope for our Olympic team he decides to play. <laughs> I'm recruiting right now because we need him on that team. He, he's so impactful in every possible way, Yes, you know, on winning or losing. Like, there's guys that put up numbers. And that's what I think mm-hmm. Joel's doing such a great job of this year is he's impacting winning and losing. Like, he he was putting up numbers, but like, he is making this team win consistently. Mm-hmm. and he's doing it in the playoffs sometimes by scoring sometimes defense sometimes rebounding that's what lebron does the right the best job of um so i mean i would i would always start with him until somebody else comes around all right well you you keep
2: tabs and in contact with a number of your former players and one of them Dante DiVincenzo with the Bucs can no longer continue his run uh with the Bucs in the playoffs have you had a chance to talk to him recently about how he's feeling and how he can continue to contribute uh in Milwaukee
3: yeah he I I talked to him you know right after um we texted immediately after he got hurt and he's got such an amazing attitude and it's what makes Mm -hmm. him well, as you know, Derek, you you deal with these football guys all the time. Sure, there's so many talented players out there. the the mental toughness of those guys is really what makes the great ones, and it makes the guys that have long careers. And mm-hmm. um, to to be able to handle the ups and downs uh, and the scrutiny of being a professional athlete is really difficult. And Dante is great at that. You know, he he came in his first year was a first round pick, got injured, yeah. hurt his heel. They kind of sat him out. You know, that would freak out a lot of guys. He busted his butt. If you remember, they traded him. That's right. They traded him, and he still came in, worked out, was respectful of everybody. The trade didn't go through, <laughs> and he was in great position with his team because he was so professional, and he's doing the same thing with this. Like, he just, he just said, I'm going to try any way I can do to help my team. His, his quote mm-hmm. was, I'm going to kill my rehab, and I'm going to be back better and stronger. So he's one of those guys – you know, as you see in football, that just mentally is so mature and mm-hmm. and tough. You know, he's going to have a great career. Who's winning the NBA title this year? If Joel, if Joel's healthy, I, I yeah. Again, I'm biased. I'm, I'm not just saying it because I like them. I think the Sixers are good enough. Okay. Just because I don't think the Lakers have had enough. I don't think they have enough time together this year, and I think mm-hmm. the Sixers have. Um, I, I really, I think they can win it. If Joel's not capable of playing, I don't think they can win it.
2: I know you're pressed for time because you have a litany of interviews to do. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with, you being a fan, football, and I know you watch the Eagles. Uh, your thoughts on the transition the Eagles have gone through, coach, quarterback, younger roster, uh, a whole new direction from what we're accustomed to seeing in a recent past.
3: Uh, again, fan and bias, but um, I, I'm really intrigued by how uh, Jeffrey Laurie and Howie Roseman handle this because in Philadelphia, you can't – in football, you can't tank. Right. They might have right, got, right. no. right. got away with it with the Sixers, and I really wasn't a fan mm-hmm. of that. But in, <laughs> with the Eagles in Philly, yeah. we're not having it. But, <laughs> so you have to – find a way to be competitive um and, and, and stay young and 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 have a future right 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 and I really think it's interesting what they're doing like i you know the Jalen hurts situation I think he's you got to give him a shot I thought I thought that was yeah. genius um drafting him yep I mean if you look at this no one I know like I don't <laughs> I'm not as critical, you know, as our fan, our Eagles fans are. Sure. I, but I do like listening to them. I still listen. <laughs> but but because I look at it like big picture, like I, they picked Jalen Hurts. They should be, Howie Roseman should be given a lot of credit. Like given what happened with Wentz, mm-hmm. um, we're still in a decent position because Hurts really could be a winner. Like mm-hmm. he might not have all the, you know, all the numbers and the analytics. Physically, that right. make a great, but he's got a shot at being a winner. And and there are some good piece, young pieces around him. And we still do have some great pieces defensively. I, I'm op- optimistically hopeful we could be a playoff team this year with young guys and then grow yep. this group.
2: All right. I agree with you. Let's keep our fingers crossed because we can't, I, I don't want to see happen again in 2021, what we had to endure in 2020 with this team winning only four games. Right. That, that's, that's not Eagles football. Exactly. Uh, right. I, I was, I was going to ask you also how you were going to relax and clear your mind this summer and get away from it all. I understand you got one hectic
3: schedule coming <laughs> up, man, this summer. Yeah. No relax for us this summer. with the Olympics. <laughs> you know, you you want to make i mean being the olympic assistant coach is a a great honor and sure um you know we're coming off memorial day you have such great we all have such great respect for everyone who served our country and especially who gave their lives so this doesn't compare at all but when you have a chance to represent your country sure you you want to do it but you also are responsible to villanova and these guys in this program so Yes. All the free time I have is going to them. And we have a plan on, you know, I'm going to miss July and recruiting and time with our guys. Mm -hmm. but We got it set up so that we can do that and and recover. And the good thing is the rest of it's in August, which is kind of a downtime for us. So um, the Olympics are going to take up a lot of time, but I'm also very cognizant of the fact that we got to take care of Villanova first. How, how do you feel about going
2: over there to Japan? Um, you know where the games are going to be held, and only two percent of the population has been vaccinated. And you're hearing a lot of lot of stuff about athletes who may not go because of the situation there.
3: Well, selfishly, Derek, as I, I yeah. really said to you about it, as I watched these NBA playoffs. Sure. You know we got to get our team together, right? And and the the playoffs are going to actually run. The finals are going to run right up to the start of the Olympics. So um, we could have some guys, like we could have a couple guys, possibly. There's all, Everything's up in the air. Coming in, not there for one of the first two games if they're in the NBA Finals, and then coming over, joining the team. Possible. That would be drastic. But the other part of it is. You know those guys coming off an NBA season mm-hmm. and then looking at that what you're saying, if they mm-hmm. they choose i don't I don't want I don't want to risk that. that that could really affect the team we can put together. I do think that those guys have all been a part, almost all of them have been a part of USA basketball, and they they know right. how um detailed Jerry Colangelo, Sean Ford, Jim Tooley, and these guys who run it how they how detailed they are how well they take care of us when we travel how protected we are so i do think they'll feel safe that way but it's an issue man it, there's no yep. doubt we're all watching this right now and you're seeing people in japan saying we don't want you here exactly you know? exactly that's, that's one of the crazy ones that that i'm seeing so um i this next few weeks are, are going to be really pivotal. They're going to have to make a decision, I think, within the next few weeks. Hey, you wrote a book,
2: th- 2017. It ascended to the uh, top of the bestsellers list.
3: Do you have another book in the works? I don't think so, man. I, I'm really – Come on. You have a lot of stuff I'm to really, share. Come I, on, man. I'm really proud of that. But our Mike Sheridan did most of the work. Who's was our <laughs> sports – and my wife, Patty. Mike's our yeah, sports yeah. director and a great writer. But even though he did most of the work, I felt like it was it was a lot of work for me. <laughs> I'm like, damn, I must be lazy because I don't I don't want to do all that again. And he did most of it with my wife. They did the editing, but damn, I. But probably, you know what? Well, probably when I stop coaching, you know, I get so right, much right. crap going on in my head. I probably sure. need to get it out. As long as Michael's still right for me, I'll be I'll be good to go. <laughs> All right, final question to
2: you. I know you're on the clock. How is it Jay Wright only has ninety five, ninety six thousand followers on Twitter? you a <laughs> national champion, you're a Hall of Famer? How is that possible you have less than 100,000 followers on Twitter?
3: Because you know I'm not – that's interesting. No one's ever asked me that. I'm <laughs> not trying – with our account, right. we're not trying to gain t- Twitter followers. We're just trying to – keep the people who are interested in Villanova basketball, keep them informed and connected.
0: So okay. you know that's a
3: smart like we're not interested in commenting on all the other things that are going on in the world. Just like right. what is what's the Nova Nation? Let's keep them connected. Let's stay connected to them. That, that's what we really want to do. And we're not we're not trying. And you know what, Derek, you and I were talking about NIL. That's gonna yes. be a big part with with these college players is how many followers do they have because that's gonna be Revenue producing for them, yes. So we're not do we're not doing that. Like if you're interested in the Nova Nation and what's going on with our basketball, our guy, it's great. Other than that, that's a smaller community. All right,
2: Jay Wright, you are officially off the hot seat. I can't thank you for taking the time to talk to D Um and hopefully we can talk again down the road when the college basketball season tips off and uh, talk about a number of other things as well, man. But uh, I appreciate you coming on.
3: Good luck, man. Love your podcast. Keep it going, buddy.
2: Thank you, brother. And that's going to wrap up this latest edition of Gun on One brought to you by Patterson Square Garden. I uh, can't thank Jay Rad enough for being a part of it. And, and as I do in parting, each and every week with all of you, uh, all of you out there who listen each and every week, stay blessed. But more importantly, continue to be a blessing to each and every person you encounter. Until next time. So long, everybody. a production of D-Gun Enterprises in Patterson Square Garden. Alvin Shabazian and Wes Pendleton are the executive producers on behalf of Patterson Square Garden. Lead producer is Derek Gunn. Associate producer is John McNeil. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Alvin Shabazian. Original music by Weatherman. For more information about the podcast, visit gunonone.com. and please don't forget to subscribe and give us a positive rating if you're feeling the show. Thank you.